21? Yeah. What? Yeah, and we're not even recruiting, we're just... It's, That's it's crazy. incredible. Yeah. How many were, when we started together, when you sponsored one of my It was my shows. It was uh, me, Hillary, Caroline, and Devin. Yeah, I thought there so were only... Like four, maybe five. That's incredible. You mean the infamous, uh, will you wear my hat sentence that changed yeah, yeah, both, yeah, yeah. both of our lives? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that hey, was... dude, wear my hat. <laughs> like, what? I said, will you wear my hat? You're like, yeah, I guess so. Hey, it's got a good logo. I'll wear it. I'll wear it. So you had four people working for you when yeah. we started in 2019. Well, yeah, it was myself and Justine, who I don't count, and then we had four yeah. agents, yeah. Now, Justine, how come you don't count Justine? Well, she's a licensed agent, but she's the COO, she's the admin, okay. and she handles all the money, all the paperwork, all the agents, all the personalities, all the people, so okay. she's not a producing agent. Mm -hmm. I'm still in production, but I'm definitely gone from, you know, multi-million dollar producing rent or real estate agent to the CEO of a business. Gotcha. I'm more running the business now that I am out there in production. Gotcha. Purposely. Gotcha. It's like we're like three years into a five-year get Joe out of production plan. That's good. Yeah. Open it up for you to be able to do what? Run the team, Just, essentially. Yeah. Run the business, yeah. Okay. Yeah, essentially run the business. So, so we have, I think, 14 agents, three marketing, myself, Justine, uh, I have a personal assistant, and then the team has a team assistant. So Lauren Stevens, I don't know if you know Lauren or not, but she's, she's no. local. But uh, Lauren, Lauren Stevens? Yeah. Is that her? That's her name, yeah, Lauren Stevens, yeah. L last name, not married? Last name, not married, okay. yeah. She, she'll, she'll do for all the agents what Claire does for me. Gotcha, okay, gotcha. So when you started, so when, when, I, when I say started, you and I started working together in 2019, I think it was. I think it was earlier than that. 2018, maybe? Yeah, maybe 2018. It was the... Uh, it was the afternoon of um, the uh, Country Fest at the coffee shop in Portsmouth. That's right. That had to be four years ago. That's right, at least. Yeah, I remember yeah. distinctly that the New England Patriots were playing Jacksonville. Yeah. And uh, I had a soccer game that morning, and all of my buddies were going to watch the soccer game and then roll into the 1 o'clock Patriots game at Fastnet. And I got a lot of abuse when I unnecessarily admitted I was going to a country fest that afternoon <laughs> instead of watching the game. So I, I don't know why I remember that, but I remember it was Jacksonville. I remember there it was a one o'clock game. You missed it. I missed it because I was at your festival. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was no TV. Oh my God. And I remember you guys were right off to the right. You yeah. Had her, your, you guys had your tent set up, right? Me and Hillary did it. We had a spin the wheel thing. That's we were right. giving away, uh, you know, hats and uh, yeah. t-shirts and so on. Yeah. So here we are in this bus that we just built the last two years. Yeah, it's amazing. So thank you for supporting us. I mean, yeah. this is like from our early days when we first started just playing music in these little dive bar pubs. And now it's almost like we're playing for places like American Airlines and we're playing for these big corporations all over the country. It's amazing. And without you and guys like Pete Sherman with Newport Propane, and it's just we wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been in a place where I'm at now. Yeah, you were already so. doing pretty good by the time I got to you because... Yes, you were playing in a coffee shop in Portsmouth, Rhode Island, yeah, yeah. not American Airlines. But um, you know, there was uh, there was probably a couple hundred people there on a Sunday afternoon. Good, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't like you were playing in front of you know an old, four old men and their dog. I mean, yeah. it was like there was like uh, it was hundreds of people there. Yeah, it was good. It was yeah, a fun it was a good event. Yeah, we were happy. We yeah. had a lot of good people too in that one. We had uh, a lot of guys come up from New York and some some from Nashville. So it was a fun. That was a fun first event for us to be involved with. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, and then we did the whole hat thing for a while. Yeah, yeah, so I was... That was actually the first day of the hat. That was the first day because I was I was at my table with Hillary. Yep. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I didn't even know who you were. Mm -hmm. I didn't know you were the, the headline because there were several bands on before. And as you were walking by our table, Hillary literally, and I'll give her credit for this, she said, that's Ben O'Connor. I was like, that's the headline. He's like, yeah. And you had an Adidas hat on. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> so I grabbed one of the one of the Remax hats off our table. I said, "Hey Ben, Ben," and you turn around. And I was like, "Would you wear my hat on the stage?" And you kind of hesitate for a second. We're like, "That's an odd thing to ask me," but you're like, "Head's too big and picky about like, the logos." You're like, "I guess so." And you just kind of took it with you. You didn't put it on immediately or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but like I said, then 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 you you switch the hat and. and and gave us a shout out, and we were delighted. We were thrilled. We did the whole awesome. thing on video. It was great. That's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. It was great. Yeah, and we've had fun. We've done these videos together. Teaching, we were just saying, teaching you your guitar, and you had it upside down. Oh my God. And it was, that was fun. Yeah, I told you I was on uh, 
I was on YouTube um, like two weeks ago looking for the Day in the Life video and I stumbled across that guitar and yeah. I was like, oh my god, what an idiot. <laughs> Upside down. We'll link that video for anybody who wants to see. Oh my god, yeah. yeah, yeah that was... It's public forever. Yeah, I, pl I played a few chords. I mean, it sounded good. You yeah. did. I think you had two or three. Yeah, it was mostly you. You've never played that though, right? No, 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 guitar. no, no. Hey, no, I don't have a musical bone in my body. It worked that day. Yeah, it yeah, it was fun. Day. That was a fun video. So I know you're a little pressed for time. You got a lot going on. Um, you got 21 people working for you now. Yes. You had four or five in 2018 when we first yes. started together. So you have multiplied. Yes. And would you contribute that for the last the market of 2019 into 2020 when the housing just blew up? You just needed more people to work for you is that why no um, I mean honestly um, myself and Justine and, and I'll give credit to the other agents uh, like Caroline and uh, Devin Hillary at the time Alyssa Masako but we really kind of created even a small team created a, a very much a culture and community community orientated business plan that people were attracted to so we were in a tiny maybe 375 square foot space on Thames Street. Yeah, yeah. Tiny, it was like a little annex office. Um, and, you know, people would call us and say, hey, we want to join your team. And, well, we're not really hiring right now. We only have four desks. Literally, we had four desks. There was no room for anything else. I'm going to move this over just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, sure. Um, but uh, we just, you know, rather than be rude and, and just say, hey, you know, we're not interested we would say oh well yeah come on in and we'll have a chat and then we'd already say look we're not hiring this person but then they come in and you know it's hard to ignore talent I mean, yeah these yeah. people were good and we're like oh damn really, this, this should be a great fit or he'd be a great fit were you guys advertising Did no you? we were not we, we have not at all wow tried to recruit on any level we went from four to six to eight to ten without even trying uh, by literally saying we're not going to hire this person and saying oh damn you know we had one military specialist that came in we really wanted a military person uh this is a, happens to be a military spouse how about military excuse me why why military well just because we're on we're on a quidnick island mm -hmm. there's a big presence here obviously the navy but the army's here um the uh um what do you call it? the uh, sorry yeah uh, the coast guard i mean the, the there are military branches other than yeah. navy the navy's the main one but we thought that having a military spouse on our team would help us to infiltrate that market and help military people relocating here. And we, we, that was something we were interested oh, in. Yeah. So we loved Jessica. She was fantastic. But we primarily were interested because she was a military spouse, and that was something that we felt our team needed. Got it. And then we met Marlon, who was bilingual, and yeah. uh, and and you know, there's a big um, Latino um, presence on the island as well, and we felt that could. So it's like you just meet people and you find out about them, and then they're interesting to you, and you're like, oh, we we're really not hiring, but I don't want them to go somewhere else, you yeah. know. Yeah. So so we really, um, if we were actually recruiting and had a big office, we probably could have yeah. uh, had a lot more agents, but that just wasn't our goal. We really, and it's not our goal right now. We really want to focus on the agents we have. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I don't see myself any different than any, you know, American football coach or basketball coach or anybody else on the planet. All I want to do is get the best out of, yeah. out of what we have. We're really not looking to expand, although now that you tell me we went from 4 to 21, I guess that does sound a little... That's crazy. Yeah, a little crazy. We weren't even trying. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. We really weren't. One of the things I noticed about you guys, especially the way that you operate, your videos, your reels, your marketing, everything that comes out from Fitzpatrick team and for anybody listening Fitzpatrick team Newport you're Rhode Island all of Rhode Island yes the and, whole state yeah okay so that's one of the things I've noticed from you guys is there is a clear camaraderie there's a clear team it's not just some you know, join us not some quick catch thing there's a clear family feel to you guys and yeah. I don't know everyone on your team very well but what I do know I do know you pretty well and I and I've worked with you now for couple of years and everything that I've seen and I've followed you guys for a while everything that I've seen is very down home very coming from a core nucleus which would be you and I say Justine right yeah I say Justine there's a clear family happening and I think that's why you're just blowing up organically because there's just a yearning I think for that we're pack animals we want to be part of something and when people see genuine camaraderie genuine team it, it, you can't beat that there's yeah. no way to compete against that so the fact that you guys have multi literally multiplied in two years, that's mind-blowing to me. It kind of leads me to my next question, where you see where the economy has gone the last two years. 
and you and I, we're not economists, so it's hard for us to comment, but just from what you've seen, the last two years, we've skyrocketed. Yeah. Home values have gone crazy. And where are we now? We're at the final quarter of 2022. There's a lot of talk of Armageddon. There's a lot of talk of things going downhill. Yeah. What do you see? In reality, not so much projections, but in reality, where do you see right now in this final quarter? I mean, I see a increase or stabilization at best of interest rates. I see a downward in pricing heading towards what I would call a leveling. Uh, I don't see any crash coming. Um, you know, anybody who bought a home in the last four or five years has 200 pound of equity in it. I mean, where are these foreclosures going to come from? Where are these short sales going to come from? Okay. You know, uh, people say, oh, you know, we're heading into the biggest recession ever. I'm like, you have equity in your home. The guy that cleans your pool has equity in his home. The guy that mows mm. your lawn has equity in the home. I have equity in my home. Everywhere you go, people may going forward struggle to pay their mortgage but they're certainly not going to walk away from hundreds of thousands of dollars with a equity in their home so inventory will increase in my opinion hopefully interest rates will level off you know well, I think they're gonna go up again I mean I wouldn't be surprised to hit 8% yeah. before the end of the year but you know uh, I'm a sports guy like rugby and soccer and mm. so on so I always use these analogies but like the Fed is increasing rates indirectly by increasing the Fed rate because they're trying to curb spending and make sure that inflation doesn't get out of control and the dollar is not worthless right. if we kept up this up for another five years <laughs> or so. It's kind of like in sports, like like in soccer, for example, if there's some misbehavior or, or, or guys are getting out of control or it's too passionate or too emotional, the ref will hand out a few yellow cards to calm everybody down and try to get the behavior back to where mm -hmm. he wants it to be so we can have a good game of soccer yeah. rather than just showing red cards all over the place. You know, So I just think that, you know, I, I think there's no doubt that interest rates are going to hit 8% and they may level off there for a little bit. But um, let's just say you're a buyer listening to this and interest rates are at, seven and a half percent right three things can happen you buy a house at seven and a half percent and the rates drop in the next year or 18 12 to 18 months and you refinance at a lower rate mm. the second thing that can happen is the rates stay the same long term and you don't end up up or down it's just the status quo and you continue and no harm no foul or the third thing that happens is rates continue to raise and potentially hit eight and a quarter or eight and three eighths or eight and a half within the next 12 to 18 months, in which case you're now a percentage point below those and you made a good decision to buy. So I am actually encouraging buyers out there to buy now. Um, understand that you have to love the property, you have to be able to afford it, and you have to have some savings. I'm not suggesting that people just buy willy-nilly. They have to have all the other plans in place, but I wouldn't allow today's interest rates to stop you from making a decision if you're ready. Mm. Like I'm a buyer right now in this market. Yeah, I'm buying property right now. So we kind of, and I don't know if this is true or not. I don't really know the market, but as far as where we live, so I grew up Middletown, Rhode Island, little town. Did you grow up around? Well, I'm from you're, Ireland. You're from right? Ireland. Yeah. Like, when did you move here? 1994. I couldn't tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there for 30 years. You moved here in '94. Yeah. Okay, so 28, whatever that is, 28, 29 years. Yeah. Okay, and when did you move to? I moved. Well, I flew into New York. Yeah. Went to Boston and then ended up in in uh, in Newport, just you know, following the work, gotcha. looking for a job. Yeah. So I, I just I, I feel like in in my twenty eight years of life here, I've noticed that this island's like a bubble, and it's almost insulated from whatever else happens. And yes, if there was an economy downturn, it would experience it. But I feel like this island, since the Vanderbilts were here in the eighteen hundreds, always maintained its value and its. Pizzazz, so to say. Yeah. So in a in a time, let's say you say definitely now is the time for buying. Do you ever talk about that with your buyers, where you're saying that we live in a very unique place, where it's not just in the middle of Massachusetts. There's a very unique. Yeah, you can go anywhere in the world, mention Newport, Rhode Island, and people recognize it as yeah. a resort town. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that, and I do. I don't go into it too much with my kind of with my buyers that are here looking for an everyday property, year-round residents that live here. It's more. Um, investors and, and comparing Newport to say Montauk, New York yeah. or Block Island or Martha's Vineyard or um, uh, you know Nantucket or the Cape like if you see Newport in that realm of a resort town as everybody else then Newport is without a question yeah. by far the most affordable of those options okay 
that's the flip side to people saying that everything's ridiculously expensive here, which I also see. It's not that I don't see both sides of the coin, but I think that there are two different ways of looking at the same situation. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I definitely see that. So if you're if you're comparing Newport to everywhere else, you're like it's taking a Cadillac versus Chevy. Yeah, well, I think in that you got to compare the Cadillacs and Mercedes and BMWs. No, but I would compare Newport on its best day with any one of those five places. Right, right, right. Yeah, because they're in the same class. I think so. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think what's what gives the Newport the advantage, though, and I've noticed it in the last few years, we're becoming more less seasonal and more year-round. There's more and more things happening throughout the year. Yeah. So I just I I look at it as a place. My brother just bought a property, and this whole area seems like a place that isn't uh, bulletproof from something that's bad economically, Correct. but it seems like it would be quick to recover. It quicker, yes, instead of a 30% yeah. flat drop in lesser, um, how do I say this, in lesser uh, in-demand areas. Yeah. We, we'll see a six, eight, 10% drop, it's certainly possible, but but we're more sheltered here for sure, yes. Yeah, okay. There's no question, I mean, look at, look at our year round here. So everybody, including the Cape and, and all those other places I mentioned, they all have Memorial Day to Labor Day. So let's just grant that, right? Then Labor Day, we have the Chowder Fest, right? And then that rolls into the Bolt Festival. And then that rolls into Columbus Day weekend. And that rolls into Thanksgiving, which rolls into the holidays and near Christmas. And then you got MLK weekend in January. And then you got Valentine's Day. And then you got President's Day weekend. Yeah, there's always something. And then you got Patty's Day. And then you're rolling into the next uh, wedding season in April and, and May. So yeah. I think that unlike some of these other places, we don't just get dropped like a sack of potatoes the day after Labor Day. Like There is a lot of life and a lot of things happening here. People will buy here and essentially live here year-round, even if they're not here all 12 months, mm. more than they will in any of these other towns. Yeah. Well, so let's go back. I want to talk about you. So you were born and raised in Ireland. Yeah. What what age did you move? Yeah, at 19. At 19. I think I was 18, actually. Um, no, 19. Yeah, 19. Okay. It's good. Where, where town-wise, where are you from? I'm from Artane, which is a town in Artane. Dublin. Yeah, it's just north of the city, about three miles. County Cork is where my family's from. Yeah. So yeah. how close? Oh, nowhere near us. They're a bunch of muck savages. Uh. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, it's it's actually in the complete opposite side of the country. Yeah, okay. it's, it's very rural. Well, Cork City obviously is is a big city. I think it's the second biggest city in in, uh, in Ireland, maybe outside of Galway. I'm not sure about Belfast, but it's up there. It's the top two or three. Mm -hmm biggest city but but Cork itself the county Cork is very rural and yeah. it's in the southwest part of Ireland okay I've never been my brother's been but I haven't been when you left at 19 was it with family why, why did you leave um how do I say this in a nice way Ireland in the early 90s was a bleak place there wasn't a lot of jobs there wasn't a lot of money I grew up a little north, but essentially in the inner city. I mean, that's where I worked, where I went for my job every day. And uh, like, I had decided at like fifteen that I was I was leaving Ireland. So I mean, I, I planned for this like three years in advance. Wow! I even changed schools. I went from um, to know I, that. At I, yeah, I went from an all Irish school. We spoke all Gaelga, Osgaelga, which is which is our Irish native language. And I actually switched out from an all-Irish school to an English school just to work on like my economics and science and terms. I mean, obviously, English was my first language, but in school I spoke Irish. Mm -hmm. Every subject, geography, science, history, we learned everything in Irish. Wow. So in preparation for moving to the States, um, I switched schools and and uh, I was ready. I mean, I was ready to, I was ready to, you know, go live the dream, so to speak. Wow. Me and my... 406 pounds or whatever I'd saved yeah. over those three years, which is about $500 by the way. I was going to say, what's your yeah, translation? Yeah, I blew, through, I, blew, I blew through it in like a day and a half. Oh after my getting God. Yeah, yeah. Did you yeah. come here alone? No, I came here um, with some friends because I, I graduated uh, secondary school, which is high school, um, in uh, say May. And then I came that, that summer with some guys I was going to go to college with. In fact, I went back and did my freshman year in college in Dublin and then came back again when I was 20. Okay. Yeah. And you came into New York? I came into Newport the second time because I already had a job and, and an gotcha. apartment and everything lined up the second time around. So what was your first job when you moved here? Very, very first job. Um, I was making beds and washing dishes at the in-group associates. It was called Smuggler's Landing was the, was the hotel. Mm -hmm. um, Did you just walk in? No, no. One of the yeah. guys got a job chambermaiding, literally. I know it's a very uh, okay. female-heavy job, but... <laughs> 
you know, we didn't care. We, we, you said chamber mating? That's what it's called. Like, what like is that? Turning over beds. Oh, okay, okay. And then I worked in the restaurant as a dishwasher, and, and I worked at Christie's for Jimmy Server in 1994. He hired me as a dishwasher, right? Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize this were like several levels of jobs to become a dishwasher. Like, you had to be, like, the onion guy and, like, um, <laughs> you know, the silverware wiper and, and all this kind of stuff. And then you got to, like, wash a few dishes. But I was a, I ended up being at Christie's, honestly, for probably 10 years. I think Christie's? 2004. Christie's Newport, yeah. In Newport, wow. Yeah. I got that same job the same summer. Um, and I also worked at Paradise Cleaning that summer of 94. Okay. Jim Paradise had on, um, he's on, uh, he's on the corner of Quidnick and uh, Valley Road. Okay. So he would... Um, you know, he would go in after a fire and we'd like, you know, clean off the radiators and stuff. Or I remember we did a job at Fort Adams that summer. The Navy went in and just like whitewashed like 40 units. You know, like, but rather than pay them to trim the paint and, you know, take their time, they would just like whitewash them. Yeah. And then me and this other guy went in with like some sort of um, chemical and we dip our finger in it and clean off all the light switches <laughs> and stuff. My, my finger nearly fell off and still, it's, it's still not the same now. Really? Yeah, 28 oh, years God. later. Yeah. Humble so, beginnings. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Paradise Cleaning, Christie's, and um, Smuggler's Landing. Those are my first kind of... Smuggler's Landing, was that New York? No, that was... Uh, no, no, I never worked in New York. I just flew into... Just flew, into, just flew okay. in there, yeah. So why Newport? Why, because why? somebody found a job at the in-group. So you just, you just went with... Actually, it wasn't even my friend. It was his sister. And she okay. called us and said, hey, they're hiring here. Yeah. So we all went down there the next day, and we, they hired all of us. Big Irish population here. Well, back then, it was even more. Way more. Wait, I you mean, said you're 28 years old? 28, yeah. So you weren't even born when I moved No, there. you said 94 you came. Yeah. That's when I was born. Right. So you came the year I was born. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, that makes you feel old. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Uh, but back then, honestly, uh, from like 94 to probably 2004, yeah. there was probably several hundred Irish students, we were called J1ers, uh, here. Now it's less and less and less and less. In fact, I, I think like the last summer or two, I might see... Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people wandering up now Thames Street, but it used to be like hundred. You'd spot us a mile away. Yeah, the yeah. white legs and the short shorts. Yeah, yeah, and, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, I've seen darker, mil darker uh, milk bottles. Yeah. Than these <laughs> legs, you know, um, and the yeah. red hair and the freckles. You could spot us a mile away. But honestly, I don't know what happened. But I'm assuming it has to do with COVID, or assuming it has to do with cost of living. But not anymore. No. Hmm. You mean year-round Irish or just summer? I think there might be. Well, I think... 100 Irish people living in Newport. Year-round. Yes, yeah, year-round, well, yeah. We know the Fifth Ward was a big collection yeah. of Irish people, right? Well, Irish-Americans, yeah. yeah. Yes. So when they, when a lot of people... My grandfather came through Canada and that whole thing. But I was always told, and I always had, I was under the impression that their Fifth Ward in Newport was always a, a dominantly Irish... Yeah, because it was. Yeah. Yeah, the families with, like, 14 kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. those families are still there, but... You know, they would be the older generation now as opposed to the kids. You know, Sheikis, Behans, Kerwins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you see it today. Yeah, the they're companies. still there, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the families of 12, 13, 14 kids would now be the grandparents. Right, right. But right. they're still around. We still see them all the time, yeah. So so you came here, you're working, you're doing all these different things. Why and how did you get into real estate? Because that's... It's odd, you know, I was... Because that's I intimidating. Was actually, for I was actually people. still washing dishes when I applied for this job. Really? Yeah. Well, you, you say applied, you mean applied. There was an ad in the newspaper, um, Prudential Prime Properties. There was okay. a rental office down next door to the Red Parrot. And this would have been 1996. Mm -hmm. So I've been here, say, two full summers and maybe a year change at that point. And uh, it said something like, interesting sales job, restaurant experience helpful or something like that. And I had restaurant experience, so I was kind of intrigued and I responded. And then they, they told me it was... Uh, it was a real estate position. I had to drive to Providence two nights a week for three hours. For the class. For like, yeah, for like, <laughs> eight, for like eight weeks. There was another girl there that was also applying for the same job, and they told us, well, we can, we can hire both of you. So I agreed to carpool with her, and after her driving for three or four consecutive times, and my, my excuses, I finally admitted I didn't have a car, and uh, uh. she would be driving <laughs> the whole time. But she was, she was nice about it. She was fine. So we actually both went up, we both did this course, we both got licensed, and we both worked at that real estate office. Wow. I ended up working there f until uh, 2000. So I worked there for three wow. years. Yeah, That was Prudential. Prudential Prime Properties Rental Division. It became America's Realty. 
There's like a little rental office right next to the Red Parish. Gotcha, gotcha. So before we jump into it, I want to really dig into how you started your company, because this is wildly impressive today, where you're at. So I want to I figure out, but when you first got here, I have no idea, and I think most people listening have no idea what it is to move to a new country, leave everything behind, let alone with just a friends, a couple of friends, but no family with you, no close support system. What was the worst part of it? What was the, um, the most dreadful part of it? Not having money for food. Yeah. I mean, I called my mother one time, I said, Mom, I, I literally don't have food. Because the restaurant fed you, right? Mm -hmm. But you can't go there for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then on your day off. Like, and I'll never forget this. My uncle, um, my uncle Eddie was a custodian in a, in a school in upstate New York. And he wired me a hundred dollars. I remember, I'll never forget it. And I thought I was honestly that was a week's work for me at the time. I was making yeah. four fifty an hour. Um, and it, it actually took me because I was only say nineteen at the time, eighteen or nineteen at the time. I can't remember what nineteen ninety four. How old was I? I was nineteen. Mm -hmm. And uh, it took me several years to grasp the concept. That yes, he was my uncle. Yes, he was in his fifties, and yes, I thought he was just kind of older people just have money. It took me several re years to figure out that he probably didn't have that. But there's, this was the day before cell phones. There was no computers. There was no internet, and my my uh, you know my mother didn't have any way of getting me. Yeah. Well, my parents didn't have anything anyway. But even if they had a hundred dollars, they had no way of getting it to me. And um, you know, I've thanked him. I mentioned him. Uh, over the years, but really, when you think back now, here we are, twenty-eight years later. Like he was literally a custodian, and I had to find a hundred dollars to send to his yeah. nephew. And I used it to buy food immediately. I went and bought wow. like the most food I've ever bought in my life. And I didn't yeah. have an apartment at the time, so it was like staying, staying with somebody. Yeah. Staying on his couch. Yeah. Just yeah. On a mattress. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I had a mattress on their living room floor. Unreal. Yeah, I still have pictures of it. Oh my god, yeah. I wish you brought them. So, so you, you were starting out basically with nothing. You had nothing. Well, I did have a friend. A friend of mine came with me, Jerry O'Connor. He actually still lives here. Jerry O'Connor? Yeah. That's my uncle's yeah. name and my brother's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jerry O'Connor came when I, went, when I went back to school. When I came back in, in 1995 yep. for good, he came with me. So there was two of us at least. Um, so the second time I came back, okay. we had a little. I had a little bit of support because I had there was two of us, but we didn't have any family. Like I said, I, have, I had a, an uncle in New York, mm -hmm. um, but that's it. He was in upstate New York. I didn't have anybody in, in Rhode Island or anywhere near here. No. So we moved to St. John for a very short time. Olivia and I moved to St. John beginning of uh, before twenty twenty went down, and it's very intimidating when you move to a place. And this is St. John is part of a U.S. It's U.S. territory, so everything there is. Very familiar still. It feels a little different. It's Caribbean. It's a different vibe and everything. But it's very, very intimidating. And we had we were talking about and thinking about this. Mike. Can you imagine 100 years ago, 200 years ago, and even people in our generation like yourself that have moved here, and maybe have had a friend or somebody to talk to. But at the end of the day, you come back and you just go to bed by yourself, and you wake up trying to figure out where the next meal's coming from. Yeah. And it's just, I think it's very humbling. And it, it's character building at a level that most people don't experience. And if you were to look back and say, ne never leave Ireland, what would you be doing if you were still there? You know, I don't know. Um, I think that most people look back and regret risks they didn't take. Yeah. So I'm not going to look back and regret a risk that I did take because it's obviously worked out well for me. But there's a lot of heartache on the way. Um, you know, I would have loved to live in Ireland. My parents are there. My grandparents are there until they passed in the last you know several years i've got six siblings and they all live well actually i've got a brother in chicago now and, and my sister lives here in middletown but um obviously when i was younger all six of my siblings lived there but you know i wouldn't have met my wife i wouldn't have my kids i wouldn't have the house that i live in in fifth ward yeah i wouldn't have this business so i don't regret anything yeah but uh i do i do often think you know i think that i have an ingrained work ethic that came from my grandparents and my parents and possibly my great grandparents, but that I can see, I, I got that from my, my parents and my and my grandparents. I have the ability to sell, so I would have been in insurance or mortgages or real estate or you know Bibles or yeah encyclopedias. I have no idea, but <laughs> sounds what I would have been selling something, yeah, and I would have been successful, I think, because I have the work ethic and I have the ability to uh, sell. 
Gotcha. So I think I would have been fine, but I don't know specifically what I would have been doing, but... Something with selling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something in sales, yeah, I would think so. All right, so we fast forward now to Prudential you're with, yeah. right? And then you left them what year? Two ta- uh, May 1st, 2001. Okay. I just did the math in my head. It's pretty good. I'm not, I'm not Remax 21 years. Wow. So when you left Prudential, what was the next step? You had your real estate license, right? Yeah, they, uh, Joe Rose and Bruce Allen, the brokers of Remax, actually approached me. And Before you left? Well, that's why I left. Okay. Like, I was happy just working yeah, yeah, yeah. away. Yeah. And they said, look, um, we're always looking for young talent. Would you consider coming over to Remax? We can give you some training, blah, blah, blah. And at the time, um, I was doing mostly rentals. So I've, I had gotten into sales, but I fell into most of them just by, by landlords I had good experiences with, had good experience with me, wanted to sell. Mm-hmm. And I was technically a rental and sales agent, even though 95% of my business was rentals. Mm-hmm. But I got into Salve Regina Rentals. I put my whole heart, heart into it. Like by 98, 99, and 2000, like 75% of those graduating classes all rented for me. I really got a wow. pretty good stronghold on it. And then I had some sales as well. But either way, whatever I was doing was enough to get their attention. And they invited me to join Remax, which I took them up on. So Joe Rose, because I've heard that name. Yeah, Joe Rose. He owns Remax with Bruce Allen. Gotcha. So he gave you a chapter, almost franchised? No, no. I just came and became a a real estate agent in their brokerage. Gotcha. Okay. Which I still am today. So I don't don't understand the difference with Remax, Fitzpatrick team, and as you see different teams and different groups... How does that work? Because in my mind, I'm thinking of it's like franchise. It's like a franchise of Remax. No, Remax is the franchise. Bruce okay. and Joe own it on the island. Got it. And I run a team under their brokerage. Got it. Okay. So I was an agent. Then I got just then I got someone to help me. Then I got a rental agent. Then I got a showing agent. And we just kind of became a team. Mm-hmm. But I'm just a rent. I'm just a real estate agent under their brokerage. Got it. Okay. So that was in 2001. Yeah. That you started. So you're 21 years now. Yep. Wow. I mean, I hit wow. I hit the ground running. I mean, I was the number two Remax agent in the state of Rhode Island my first year. So I, mean, I really hit the ground running. I took on everything they told they taught me, and so I mean, Remax was a big yeah. influence on why I became a successful realtor. So when somebody's going to be because we haven't bought a home before, I've I've never done it, and if I'm going to approach you guys to buy a house. What's the process that you take them through? What, what, what does it look like? Well, let's just say the lead came through. You either email me or text me or called me or it came through Realtor.com. Once that lead hits me, you immediately get, Hey Ben, it's Joe Fitzpatrick. How are you? Are you available for a call? I've included a link to my digital buyer consult, which is the link that you click on and watch with your wife. Yeah. I walk you through the process of buying a house digitally. And then we'll follow up with a link to my schedule. It's called schedule. Once you click on that and you pick a day and time that works for you that's available on my schedule, and then we have an in-person buyer consultation. Nice. 100% of the time, no exceptions. Yeah. So. You gotta meet them. You gotta meet them. Yeah. You don't get to look at houses. You don't get to get in my car. I don't take you out until we have that consultation, which includes me walking you through our process. We don't do things the same as everybody else. It includes referring you to a mortgage um, originator if you don't already have one. Is this unique to you guys? Most people I don't think do it's. Un- I don't think it's unique. It should be. It shouldn't be. Yeah. Whatever way that, whatever way that's supposed <laughs> to be. Every agent should do this. I mean, yeah. we have no exceptions here on the team because we train our agents. You mentioned the word franchise earlier. Well, mm. I feel like we have a franchise mentality in the sense that if you came to me and worked with me, or you came to me and worked with Patricia, or you worked with Rachel or you worked with Caroline, the process and this, uh, the system and the experience is the exact same. Mm-hmm. Got it. Like ordering French fries at McDonald's in East Bridgewater, Massachusetts, yeah. is the same as ordering French fries in Paris. Mm. Like That's the kind of mentality that we're trying to get across, that working with the Fitzpatrick team is going to be a good experience. So we try to take my listing presentation and have everybody have the same listing presentation. So they have the same responses to buyer objections. Here are our solutions. Here are some seller objections. Here are our solutions. So 
we're not all the same people. Our, our delivery is not going to be the same, but yeah. we are working on standardizing our buyer and seller process. So whether you called me, Ben, or anybody on my team, you would have the same experience in my mind. And essentially, the next step is sending you data, sending you information or listings, and then you saying, hey, I want to see four, five, six properties in Tiverton on Saturday at 3 mm -hmm. o'clock. That's essentially how simple it is. Now, how about multi-unit? Because that's something we we're interested in right now is, is getting into multi-unit income type properties where you're getting a four to ten unit building. Uh, do you guys facilitate those as well? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't recommend as a first-time home buyer buying a ten-unit building, but if you really wanted to, I wouldn't. As a business, yeah. As not not as a home buyer, but as a business. Yeah, I would much prefer you to get your feet wet with smaller, more manageable property than a ten-unit. It's a lot of work. It can yeah. be a full-time building. Plus, with twenty-five percent down, you need to have a significant amount of cash. I mean, mm. a ten-unit building, even in poor condition, is going to be two or three million on the island. Yeah, that's seven hundred fifty grand in cash. Yeah. I would rather that be your second or third or fourth purchase. Again, these are just advice I'd give you. I'm not necessarily yeah, telling man. you what to do. but Take it to another market, though. Take it to another market down south, somewhere where it's a little less. Yeah. Um, and even even duplex or what do you call it, triplex, quadplex, multi-unit, multi, multi -unit, but it doesn't need to be a massive complex. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. You jump in too big, it becomes too much. Yeah. My advice yeah. to you would be to live in one, if mm. possible at least part-time, um, take your time picking your tenants, right? Okay. Just yeah. like, just like, just like your staff, mm -hmm. fire fast, hire slow. Yeah. Um, you know, tenants can make or break an entire year for you, one tenant even in a 10-unit building. So I would wow. take your time, yeah. I would vet the tenants, I would keep it manageable. Um, you know, if you're making a hundred grand a year, don't have a $60,000 mortgage payment and just assume everybody will pay. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they're they're fantastic. With commercial properties, you're going 25% down, so you got to squirrel away some cash first. Mm -hmm. Even if you got a 10 unit for a million dollars down south somewhere, which is entirely possible, you know, it's still 250 grand in cash. That's, that's a big decision. So, locally here, we would just set you up with a portal on, on multifamilies instead of singles. So, other than that, the process is the same. Here's the, here's the, here are your options, what day and time properties do you want to see, and we'll send you off to get approved. Mm. So it's the same process whether you're, whether you're buying investments or owner-occupied, just the percentage down is different. Do you get into any individual investments yourself? Do you multi-unit properties do you own? Any? Yeah, on well, I owned. I had 13 at one point in, on the island alone. You get rid of them? I sold some, I lost some. Um, you know, I went through a bad experience in 07, 08 like everybody else yeah, on the planet. Yeah. Um, I had some foreclosures, which is unfortunate, a couple of short sales, but mm. um, I think that right now I have um, the first property I ever, I ever bought, which was Pond Avenue in 1998. I still have that one. I think there's like eight years left in that mortgage, Wow. which also makes me feel old. Yeah. Um, I have my home, and then I have an investment property on Thames Street. So we have some investments, yeah. Where are Thames? Right next to O'Brien's, 523-525. Nice. It's a four-family Yep. Right on that restaurant row between Scales, mm -hmm. um, Bouchard's, O'Brien's, right in that right in that row. Gotcha. So when you when you're looking at the world, the economy today, and you're seeing all these different different conversations, you're not worried too much. I'm not worried. I never have it. I just no. keep my head down and work. Yeah. I don't I don't watch the news. I don't read newspapers. I don't pay attention to politicians. Mm -hmm. um, I just put my head down and work my ass off. And, and people think that's naive, I don't care. It's worked for me and, and it will continue to work for me. And people say, well, there's no inventory. Well, then make your own inventory. Mm. Get on the phone and call sellers all day long. Convincing well, them to buy. Convincing them to sell. buy or sell. sell yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, no matter what somebody throws at me, I have a solution. Mm. And it may not, it may be a little caveman-like and it may not be very sophisticated, but just put your head down at work. Yeah. Keep it simple. Stick to the basics. And I'm telling you the truth, I've not watched the news in 25 years. Good for you. I swear to God. Yeah. I, and you're doing just fine. <laughs> I'm just, just fine. I mean, it's yeah. It's a lot of noise. It's a lot of noise, and I think a lot of it's fear and, and pushing an agenda, and a lot of it doesn't just, most of it doesn't even apply to your everyday life. None of it applies so, to me. Yeah. I mean, no matter who's in power or in Congress or whatever word you want to use, nothing will ever derail hard work. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. So, do you keep an eye on on 
any type of metric for economics, for housing market, for preparation for your own self, to advise buyers, to advise sellers? Yeah, of course. I mean, I watch the, the I understand and appreciate the correlation between interest rates and, and, and inventory yeah. and house pricing, and I do advise people. It's not like I just walk around and say, hey, everything's going to be great. No, right, I right. mean, I, I have had um, situations in my life that I've learned from. Like, I made a lot of mistakes in 2007, mm -hmm. but I've learned from them. And I don't ignore these things, but I, oh, I also don't let them stop me. Like, like, we're heading straight into a recession right now, according to multiple sources. But rather than curl up into a ball like a lot of my competitors do, we're doubling down. So we just went from 1,200 square feet to 5,000 square feet. We just moved in here last week, the yeah. office that you're at right now. Mm -hmm. This whole building's here? The whole building's here. I awesome. love it. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Instead of squirreling away our advertising dollars, we're doing more. So you can look at this situation like you've got to squirrel away and survive the next 12 to 18 months. Or I look at it as, this is a fantastic opportunity for me to increase my market share. Because the agents on the Fitzpatrick team can go 3, 6, 9, 12 months without making a sale. I will be just fine. Mm -hmm. There are real estate agents that have recently got licensed or not recently got licensed. All sorts of real estate agents that cannot go 3, 4, 5 months without a sale. Mm -hmm. They have to go get a job. That's called market share. And for the last two years... We've been losing out on sales and listings to agents that don't really have, in my opinion, the necessary skill set to provide to those clients what we would. And that's frustrating to me. The difference being what exactly? The difference being that they just don't have the skill set that we have. They don't know how to negotiate. They don't know how to win bidding wars. They don't know how to answer seller objections. They don't know how to properly market a home. I mean, I've seen houses with, like, iPhone, six iPhone pictures. Like, that stuff drives me nuts. Mm -hmm. Like, where's the floor plans? Where's the drone shots? Where's the digital walkthrough? I noticed <laughs> that with you guys. Production's very well. Very we, well we treat done. all these things the same. Yeah. $50,000 caravan and a $5 million house gets all the same stuff. Yeah. It's consistency. Mm -hmm. We feel, and I guess I wouldn't be very good at my job if I didn't feel this way, we feel that we are better than everybody else mm -hmm. and that we do a better job and we understand the concept of turning leverage into dollar bills and we get our sellers the top dollar and we get the buyers the best deal. So I think that as we head into this market, I'm not worried. Mm. We're, our market share is going to increase even if our overall sales decrease. Do you think moving here with next to nothing, I'll say next to nothing because you said you had a friend. <laughs> right. Well, he didn't know either. But I would say that's you. pretty much nothing. I mean, you yeah. got the support of a friend, but you came here with nothing much in your pocket. Yes. Do you think that contributes to the way you work today, and, and it gives you a distinct advantage over most people? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I have I, I say this jokingly to the agents all the time. Yeah. Like I had five jobs when I was fourteen. Like. At the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. The only thing that gives me a little less credit than what you might be attributing to is that Ireland was bleak. Like there wasn't, I didn't, I didn't risk anything. Like I didn't really have anything okay. to begin yep. with. So it's not like I'm leaving a nice, safe home environment with with a great job to like go off to America and like you know live the dream. I really had nothing to begin with in the first place. So the worst thing that happens is I came here for two or three years. I survived, it didn't work out, and I went back to where I was mm -hmm. when I left. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, there wasn't a huge amount of risk involved for me when I did this. I guess it's the only thing I would say if you're... So it was only going up. It was only, it was yeah. only going up because you were I mean, it's America, man. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. where everybody wants to be. Yeah. Unless you're born and, unless you're born and raised here, you, you, you'll probably never appreciate that, or maybe you will. Unless you move somewhere else. Yeah. you got to move or, or go somewhere an extended period of time to just see how it is elsewhere. Yeah. Because when you do, it gives you an appreciation. Yeah, it does. Also, it's funny. People say, uh, oh, well, you know, it's because of the accent, blah, blah, blah. And whenever I hear that, I say, well, go somewhere else. Yeah. And you'll be the one with the accent <laughs> yeah. if it's so easy, you know? Yeah. You know, um, whether it's, you know, you know, meeting women or working or yeah. whatever. They attribute everything to the accent. Does right? the accent help? Did the accent help yeah, with women yeah, when course. you move? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course. No brainer. Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, it's been—I've been retired a long time, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's a—it's a conversation starter, isn't it? I mean, every time. Yeah. Think about where you've yeah. been in the world. As soon as you 
I mean, if you were in Ireland, yeah, oh. you'd be the one with the accent. Right, so right. yeah, I'm just joking about it, laughing now. But um, yeah, you just remind me. You're like, go somewhere, and it gives you appreciation. And it's like, well, I just say that to people. Well, you go somewhere then. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So you're in. You're you. You play rugby. No, I don't. I am. I play. I played soccer yeah. until February. I retired. Okay. Okay. So, forty-seven years, not bad. I thought I saw videos of you playing rugby. Well, I. I mean, I've, I went out and I've gone out and like played with them. Like I've gone to scrimmages and pickups okay. and touch rugby. Okay. And um, I think there was a video of me at Potsy Field in November. Yeah, it was just kind of so. running around and doing some stuff. But Newport, I'm like a big supporter. Mm -hmm. um, not only do I support the team, but I sponsor the team. Back in 2006, we kind of came to an agreement where we put all our logos on their on their gear and bought them some jackets and hats and stuff. And I'm a fan. I mean, my dad is a rugby fanatic like when he's on holidays he's you know hiding out outside coffee shops with like ipads trying to trying to get the monster game you know so yeah. rugby and gaelic football and hurling and soccer is in my blood and yeah. in my dna and i love it but no i don't i never played for newport rugby we played it as schoolboys obviously in ireland but i'm just a supporter and i'm always out there and i'm friends with these guys and yeah um i'm at a lot of the events and because I sponsor things, I get a lot of t-shirts and hats and jackets with or without my logo on it, so I wear the Newport Rugby stuff gotcha. yeah. a lot. So I can understand why um, there would be that perception, but no, I never actually played for Newport Rugby. So your your marketing is is very impressive. I've noticed it everywhere. I said I saw your trucks, I see your cars multiplying now. What's your big secret? What's your um, start from square one, coaching a business, and they need to market? What do you tell them to do? Well, we actually have some courses we're pushing out right now. Marketing courses? Yeah. Wow, yeah, Marielle cool. wrote them and recorded them, and we're going to put them on the FT Listings website. I think it's ftlistings.com if you want to check it out. Yeah. But we're actually creating a course because we get asked constantly. And um, rather than just keep repeating ourselves, we're giving hours and hours and hours right. to individual teams. We just created this course. And we're, it's going to be it's one of many, many modules, but there's only one out there for now. But... You know, I did have the marketing ideas. Like, I did the new... People thought I was out of my mind to spend $6,000 on jackets for rugby players. Literally, this was in 2016. But I knew that if one of them bought a house for me, I essentially broke even. Yeah. And we ended up doing 11 transactions over the next five oh years. My God. Yeah, from that team. I know, it's amazing. Oh, my but, God. So I had that concept of... The hats, the jackets, sponsoring teams, putting yourself out there. I had to come up with the logo. So I'd done all that myself. But really, the biggest thing that changed was hiring Marielle Maher. I don't know if you know yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think I started to pursue her in like 16, 17. And I think eventually in 2018, um, she came on board. And, and she's been the main reason for Everywhere I go, people talk about our marketing. Like on the conventions in Texas or Vegas or California, they're like, "Oh my God, yeah, your marketing great." You know, tell us about it. So yeah. it's it's a lot got to do with Mario. Gotcha. She's doing a lot of the video work, production stuff like that. Well, she's the she's the creative. Yeah. Like I can't even draw like a stick man. Like I've yeah. got like no musical ball in my body, no creativity, yeah. very little imagination. I'm just a very kind of. Well, black and white is a good word, but I'm just like very yeah. structured and basic. Yeah. Marielle is the creative force yeah. behind everything. Yeah, you're in the business side of things, the yeah. executive decision making side of things. My dad is a uh, custom sign builder. He does airbrush work. Really, really talented. Does mural work, things like that. One of the things he's always said is that people will always spend money on signs when they're going out of business. It's like clockwork. <laughs> when they're going in business, they're always apprehensive to pay the extra dollar for a good sign but they're saying whatever it takes just put a bunch of signs out front we're going out of business we need to sell everything so when it comes to that that moment of desperation to try and get a lot of people in they understand the value of signage they understand the value of marketing yeah but usually when it's too late yeah that's true i never thought of it that way when you see a business going out of sale you see it yeah you know that those yeah, all your sports going out of sale going out of business i mean you you see these things and I think that's one thing that makes you guys unique is that there's a lot of real estate companies in Rhode Island on the island and you see how they market and there's a traditional sense of their marketing. It's just put the sign out in the yard. Um, and out of curiosity, 
the last few days in preparation for you and I sitting down. I'm just looking at other businesses. Other, I won't say any names, but I'm, I don't want to declare war between you and others. But I'm looking at these other different companies on the island, and I'm, I'm looking at the differences. And my God, they're stark as far as the marketing is concerned, as far as the camaraderie is concerned. There's not much of a, a, a feel other than I'm just going to go buy a house. Where with you guys, it seems like I've got people to work with. I've got a team to rely on. It seems like there's more of a, um, I guess as a customer, you don't want somebody who's just showing up in a suit, who comes from some office somewhere. You want somebody who's got a presence online, who's got a, a public reputation on the line, because they've got a lot more to lose. There's a lot more of them that they're putting themselves out there with. So I think that reveals you guys a little bit more. It makes you vulnerable in a way because you're more out there. Everybody knows you. And I think it's the biggest strength. I think that's what people miss the mark on is they're not pushing, they're not marketing, they're not becoming uh, something more genuine, more real for people to relate to. Yeah. And with companies that I've seen, and we haven't done the home buying process, we've just done renting because we're all over the place. But I've noticed it with rentals, I've noticed it with a lot of things. There's no emotion attached to it. There's not much genuine feeling behind it. I've gone on showings where people show up, here's the key, they don't say anything to you, just whatever. And I'm sure you've seen that, but there's been no, um, you know, I'm, I'm renting now, but in a few years I might be buying. Yeah. So this was the perfect opportunity to develop a relationship. Exactly. We are so 100%. Well, first of all, let me say thank you for noticing and saying that to me because it's very hard sometimes for me to understand the public's perception of what we're doing. So mm -hmm. I appreciate you saying that. And, makes me very very happy it's working okay good yeah, it's working but you know I'm not necessarily saying that real estate agents have commission breath but like people notice that like they they spot a transactional agent a mile away mm -hmm. we're not transactional we're relationship builders yeah. everybody on my team understands that spending a few minutes with Ben O'Connor today to explain how the washer dryer works in the basement of a two-bedroom apartment in a multi-unit building yeah. at 1600 bucks a month down the road will develop that relationship from tenant to buyer tenants become buyers landlords become sellers it's just a fact mm. that's that's the world that we live in so if you don't treat that person with respect or if you don't treat them the way you want to be treated i said on my on a podcast last friday that a good rule of thumb is pretend your mom's watching you with every single thing you do and say. It's because it really keeps you keeps yeah. you in check and, and, and you know controls you know how you, how you you know your behavior sometimes. Like that's something that I've done for years. Mm -hmm. But people don't get that. Everyone on my team understands that Ben O'Connor, the tenant, the nine hundred dollar commission. It's not about the commission. It's not about the transaction. It's about an opportunity to build a relationship with somebody mm -hmm. that can and probably will use you down the road. Well, the one biggest mistake, I don't know if real estate agents will be listening to this, but the one biggest mistake that I think real estate agents make is that they put all of their efforts and time and marketing and monies into getting a hold of that lead, finding that person, showing them houses, selling them houses, and getting to that commission, mm -hmm. okay? And then that the relationship ends. What they don't understand is the average person will probably either by referring you business or purchasing multiple properties over decades of time, will probably generate you 75 to 80% over their lifetime what you made on that first transaction. Mm -hmm. So they're putting all their time and effort into 15% of that person's potential when they should be putting all of their time and effort and money and marketing dollars and phone calls and touching and gifts into post-sale mm -hmm. yeah. to protect that relationship in order to get the other 85% of yeah. business and referral from that person. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a rental, um, Ben, or a sale, that first transaction is... is a tiny percentage of the potential of that person giving you business over both of your lifetimes. Yeah. Even if you're as old as me, I said that like 20, 25 years left, right? If I so if I rented you a house today, is it conceivable that you could buy two or three houses for me? Is it conceivable that you could refer two or three of your friends to me? 
100%. six transactions. Yeah, easy. And you're yeah. ending the relationship after one. Mm. Makes no sense. But what I find too is that with music, we're doing these corporations, we're playing these, these corporate events, destination events, and I guess a rebuttal or the other perspective is would say, well, you're, you guys are just doing this to uh, just get more money. You're just doing it to secure more business for your future. And we do the same with music. With When we perform for the American Airlines, we perform with these forge rock companies. or We go in with the mentality that we want to become your friend. We want to become somebody that you can trust and somebody that you can count on to be there early. Because in the musical world, a lot of people like to show up five minutes before, quick plug in, shine sound check, and hope everything's good. There's all these little things that I find that you and I parallel with, with the business. And I think it makes a massive difference down the road, not just for your own profit, but you develop friendships, you develop relationships with people. And I think the other thing not to forget is that we're offering a deep amount of value for those individuals, whether they're hiring us to do a show or they're hiring you to go buy a home. That personalized home buying process is not just about you cashing a check and making more business for the future. It's offering them an experience that's very difficult to come by anywhere. Because number one, trust in that camaraderie, that team mentality, like I mentioned before, that's hard to come by. It's not easy to come by. And when you're doing something as emotional as buying your first home or selling the home you've been in your whole life, you want to be with people that are good people. Yeah. And clearly, from working with you guys, you're good people. And you see that not just with your social platforms, but the, the people that you're involved with in your community. You're not just a real estate office. You're just not. It's, you're, you're embedded in, people, in people's lives with this island, from the sponsors of the, the, um, the rugby team to just sponsoring. Are you in Little League, by the way? Yeah. You're in Little League. League. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Soccer uh, at Middletown. We do all the... Yeah. Mean, it's all about the youth and, and you know, investing in, in them. Yeah, for sure. We do all that. So, yeah, it's marketing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's expanding your business. But I think Marielle said we were involved in sponsoring 36 events in 2022. Wow. Yeah. And they're all on the island. So what that does, in, in my perspective, what that does is that puts you guys out there even more. And it elevates the expectation for you to not only be honest and upfront with your clients, but to not screw anybody over. Because the last thing you want is to screw somebody just for moral reasons, but outside of that, for business reasons, because everybody knows your brand. Yeah. And all it takes is one article of somebody saying something bad for it to come out, and now you've got all this word against you on the Newport Daily News. Yeah. And so I think what happens is there's a, there's a level of um, value and appreciation for your clients that you're offering them that a lot of other real estate companies miss, a lot of other bands miss. Like you said, that they're not going to just hire you once. They're not going to have you play just one event. We're not going to perform for their Christmas party and then why not their July 4th? Let's do another one. Yeah. It's all about that relationship and I think it goes further than just for the sake of future business. Yeah. I think it has a lot more to do with just the genuine development of a relationship, of a friendship that can be created and also offering them something that's not going to be available to them elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, it's just with the real estate market, that alone, I've, I've in the last four or five years, we've rented uh, maybe six or seven total places between little studios and apartments, things like that. Not one of them. It was, did we have an experience where it was lifelong? It was just, here you go, here's the keys. Here, yeah. Here Could have been. Could have been. And now I just asked you, we're looking to get into multi-unit property. Yep. And because of our sponsorship, if we're going to buy here, I'm calling you. Yeah, but so, you might not have if that person had a nurtured that relationship. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah, some of my best friends you don't use me for a real estate agent, and that's perfectly fine. It yeah. meant that, they, that they're happy with their agent, and their agent did a good job of following up and touching them every couple of months with a little gift or a little handwritten note or mm -hmm. a little video or text or email, carrier pigeon, whatever it is that you like. If you reach out and keep yourself involved in that person's life. Mm -hmm. Like Reese right now is following up with all of the Calvert people. They're all rentals. But yeah. she understands that they will buy someday. Mm -hmm. But one of the things she said to me is that, that never really clicked with me, is that because of how we can conduct ourselves, we are we do hold ourselves to a higher standard. Mm -hmm. we are. Like that, I could bring to that person at Charles next week. Like it's not like I'm conducting yeah. something through the internet from thousands of miles away. Yeah. But and there's not so much of a professionalism with you guys that it's un, unattainable and untouchable. You guys are professional, but also personal. I, I think if it's too 
if it's too professional in any sense, in any field, maybe lawyers or doctors, sure, but I think in any field, if you're too professional, you lose that personal touch, that relationship opportunity, where I noticed with you guys, it's very professional, but it's also very easy to become you guys' friends. Yeah. And I think that's a, a tribute to you and how you present yourself, and, and not just through your business, but personally. It's Like you said, you didn't market. You did not advertise the fact that you wanted to grow your team. Yet it multiplied by what three? Yeah, I mean, it's just being genuine. I just had a five-hour flight to Phoenix with a guy who's uh, he's really into like life coaching and great person, and uh, just a constant conversation with him. And I and I said, well, what's your secret? You know, what's your your thing that you always tell your clients? Um, and he says, just be genuine. It comes back to just being genuine. And he said, there's more complex ways of getting into it, and we could talk all day about the the ins and outs of things, but. The psychological effect of just being genuine, being real, yeah, to yourself and to other people, it's all it is. I agree. It's very, very simple. Yeah, I mean, I've said this before, uh, Ben, but treat people right. Yeah. Make sure your clients are happy. The money will come. Mm. Like yeah. that's how we genuinely believe our business should be run. So, a lot of the people, I think put the money first or focus on the commission. The commissions are what allow us to exist as a business, mm -hmm. but they're not our focus and never will be. It's probably the fourth or fifth most important thing when I'm meeting with a potential client. Mm -hmm. I've heard this before, is don't follow the contracts, follow the contacts. Yeah. And that's, that's uh, I think, the main thing that, I, that we try and do, and it's hard. It's hard, especially when it's slow. It's yeah. very, very hard to. I like that. Though. Right, and it, and it's. I think it was Grant Cardone. Do you follow Grant Cardone? Do you ever have no. him? He's a real estate guy in Florida, and I I I've just noticed that where I'm like, if you follow the contacts, if you chase the contacts and not the contracts, it ends up better for everybody. Yeah, I I love that. It Simple makes, makes total sense. Yeah. So you, I know you got to go soon. Question I think, for is you. Is that clear? Knocking at the door. That might be clear. Did you hear knock? I thought I did. I couldn't. Okay. Well, let's just ignore her until she comes back. Okay. Last question for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where do you and where and when do you stop? And do you have plans to grow? Do you have plans to go Mass, Connecticut, New York, other states? Are there other growth plans that you have? Yeah, back I mean, your mind? I'm trying. As recently as 2018, I was probably responsible for a minimum of 75 percent of the revenue. Mm -hmm. For which, Max? No, for the Fitzpatrick team. Okay. And I've tried very, very hard over the last two years to get that down to 50% because I want to get to a place where my production equals 25% or less of the team production. Mm -hmm. Now, you don't achieve that by just not making calls and stop doing sales, sales because that doesn't help anybody, but you try to pass off business to the other agents on the team. You try to encourage them. You try to manage them. You try to get their sales up because... I want two things. I want a sellable asset. I mean, a lot of real estate agents build up a huge business. It could be, it could be anything. It could be the bread man. It could be anything. Yeah. But if you take that person out of that business, it's worthless. I want to build a business that you can take me out and the business still exists, and still profitable, and still does, does a yeah. huge amount of sales. But also, if I get to 25% production, that, that will give me the time I need to be what I really want to be, which is agent-centric. I want to be... I want to manage and help the agents on this team achieve their goals. They want to buy a property. They want to buy a new car. They want to help their parents. They have their own goals. And I really want to get to the point, I'm in year, say, two, maybe two and a half of a five-year plan to go from 75% to 25%. And once I hit that, then I'll start thinking about franchising. Mm -hmm. I mean, could we have a Fitzpatrick team in a Remax office in Florida if yeah. one or two of my agents want to relocate there? Absolutely. Could I put an office in a rematch brokerage in Connecticut? Absolutely. It's about perfecting the systems yeah. Yeah. prior to expanding. But yes, I have thought about doing this, and I have some thoughts on how this could work, but I want to tighten up what I have here first so mm -hmm. that it's super tight, systems are down, training's in place, everybody knows what we're doing. We have, that. That we have that franchise mentality in place prior to... Mm -hmm. Your branding's already there. Well, the branding's already there, but there's still a few things I'm trying to tighten up yeah, the systems. Sure. And, you know, I want everybody here to be perfect before I try and bring it somewhere else. But yes, the, the, the long-term thought process is that we could put a, front, uh, a Fitzpatrick team office with our systems and how we like to operate in any re REMAX office 
anywhere in the country. I love it. Yeah. So other than uh, Rhode Island, say Aquiticon, for someone like us going on the road, getting ready to go, and over the next couple of years, getting ready to buy something as far as income property goes, a yeah. multi-unit, where, in your opinion, would be the best as far as mar markets are concerned, as far as if you if you were to do this, if you were to go travel America, where would you say would be the best place to go move to for the market itself? Well, I mean, it's impossible for me to answer that without knowing your inclinations. I mean, do you like the sun? Do you like the snow? Do you like the cold? Do you like the hot? Do you, do you want to be close to home? I mean, I'd say beaches. Close to home doesn't really matter. Near okay. the I mean, I think that there are a lot of opportunities in Florida right now. I think that Florida is going through, not because of the, the hurricanes and because of the disasters and floodings, but I just think that Florida is still going through a huge transition of people leaving the north and heading south. And when they're going there, they usually go to Florida because it's affordable, mm -hmm. but also very, very nice. The weather's nice, the climate, everybody loves it. I would think that, that you could do worse than Florida. I think the states between, say, D.C. and Florida are, are, are just too unpredictable for me. I don't okay. know enough about the Carolinas, Georgia. I don't know enough about those particular locations. I know a lot of people are moving to Texas. Yeah. Um, so if I had to pick one, I'd rather not. Without any research, I'm throwing you on the spot. <laughs> and without knowing enough about, you know, locations. Uh, I guess I would say Texas. Cool. All right, well, we'll have to invite you down. Yeah, I'll be parked there for a little bit. I'll be there. Uh, this thing's amazing. Game yeah. Where uh, uh, Tom Brady, as soon as he moved, it was a little heartbroken. I think a lot of New Englanders were. Yeah. And um, we're going down November 1st to Tampa. We've got a little RV park that we'll be in, and uh, they're playing on the 6th. So we'll cool. Just to see him again. You know, we don't know when he's going to retire. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Just, could be any time. He had a bit of a stinker yesterday, though. Did he? Yeah, I yeah. Didn't, I think he's been too busy trying to get this thing done. They, got, they got absolutely crushed by Carolina yesterday. <sighs> the worst team in the league. So. See, he could have a horrible game. I just want to see him at least yeah. one time. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah, November 6th is, uh, I'll be at the Patriots. Nice. Indianapolis game, so. Nice. We'll both be at an NFL stadium. Good, good, good. Yeah, I love yeah. it. <laughs> Thanks for the time today. Appreciate right. it. Thanks, man. All right.